Hey everybody, Dan here from Process Potables. Just wanted to give you a quick disclaimer before you listen to this episode. One, with the pandemic going on, we're obviously trying our best to keep content coming out. We appreciate everybody who continues to listen. I hope that you enjoy this episode. We were kind of all over the place on this episode, and with how long it ran, we actually ended up splitting this into two episodes. So you're going to hear us mention that we're, we are going to talk about a newfound glory bracket and break that down. That is actually going to be an entire episode in and of itself that will be released later this week. So I left in us saying it happens, but just so you're aware, that will be a separate podcast that will release later this week. Everything else we potentially discuss in the episode is still there. So I hope that you enjoy that. We will also put in our interview with the brewer from Bout the Hops Brewing that we did about a week or two ago so that we continue to have our craft beer interviews and discussions. So I hope you look forward to that as well. As always, want to shout out Underground Sports Philadelphia for taking care of us, for supporting us and everything. Make sure that you follow them on Twitter and Instagram at UndergroundPHI. Shout out to Design Tree for continuing to do giveaways to try to cheer people up by giving free shirts out. You can check out our store on their website as well as many others. So shout out Design Tree. And then lastly, thankful for our sponsor, the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway. If you mention Process Potables, you can receive exclusive savings. Thanks, everybody. Again, if you have time during this pandemic, make sure you're staying safe and everything. But if you can... Leave us a five-star rating and a review and make sure that you are subscribed and make sure you're staying tuned to our YouTube channel where we are constantly uploading new videos. We're getting a lot better at the editing process thanks to our engineer, Corey, who has taken that on and we're really proud of how they're coming out. So make sure that you check that out on YouTube. Just look up Process Potables and you'll find video interviews from the breweries and hopefully we'll be adding to our content on that platform as we go. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe and trust the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Process Potables. My name is Dan, joined by Steve and Corey. We're hanging out in the podcast paradise on quarantine lockdown once again. Going to be a really weird episode, going to go kind of all over the place because there's really no sports going on. So we will talk a little bit about the Sixers finally getting the coronavirus, which we knew was just a matter of time. We'll talk a lot of NFL free agency, including the Eagles acquiring Darius Slay from the Lions and also Malcolm Jenkins not being re-signed or having his contract restructured and now signing as a free agent with the New Orleans Saints and his goodbye letter to Philadelphia on the Players' Tribune that came out today. We're going to talk about WrestleMania being possibly pre-taped and going over Saturday and Sunday night of WrestleMania weekend and being hosted by Rob Gronkowski. There is a lot to unpack there. And lastly, we are going to talk about the newfound glory March Madness bracket that they did, which the results are already in, but we're going to discuss the results of that and then do our own three-man bracket of the same one, starting from scratch. Again, if you are a fan of newfound glory, hopefully you were going or considering going to the Atlantic City BR Music Festival, which has been postponed 
from April 3rd and 4th and will now occur on August 7th and 8th. If you had tickets, you don't have to do anything. All original tickets are being honored. If you are still looking for tickets, now you have time to figure out your accommodations, your schedule, whatnot, much more time. The lineups have remained the same. So Newfound Glory, Goldfinger, Suicide Machines, the early November, all still confirmed for those dates. So nothing changes. We will still be there. Very excited for that. You can follow AC Beer Fest on Twitter and Instagram at AC Beer Fest. Steve... How you dealing with the quarantine, buddy? Dude, thank God there's beer because if we didn't have that, like I, I don't know what I would do with myself. Like uh, beer and NFL free agency are both yeah. helping a little bit in in dark times for sure. Like I think my dog's getting tired of going on a lot of walks now, so I it's just that. Dude, I don't know. He's he's a little legs that get tired quick. Yeah, so big heart, little legs. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, what have you been doing the past of time, man? Uh, just started working from home yesterday, which. I don't recommend for anybody, as ideal as it might seem. It sucks. Uh, thankfully, there's beer in my fridge. Uh, freezer's full of meat, and uh, we're, we're coping the best that we can with being locked inside. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, man. Um, it's been tough. I I have this like incredible like desire to go outside and play basketball. I really can't. I mean, I can play in my driveway, like, alone, mm-hmm. but the ball goes all over the place, goes in the neighbor's yard, goes in the street, and it's really, really annoying. Yeah, you're going to catch the uh, the virus on their grass. So yeah, probably. For, well, my my other neighbor apparently thinks that she's going to get, like, you know, West Nile from my grass, so, you know, I guess it's a <laughs> oh, fair God. trade. So, we'll get right into it. want to talk about the Sixers a little bit. I don't know if there's a whole lot we can really unpack from this yet, because I don't think we have confirmed names or anything, but... It shouldn't come to any surprise that since Josh Harris decided to try to squeeze out one more game at home against the Detroit Pistons right before this whole quarantine thing really went nuts, and then the Pistons came out and confirmed that like a whole ton of people, including you know starting center of that night, Christian Wood, former process sixer, had the virus, somebody that was genuinely matched up with either Joel Embiid or Al Horford for the most part, confirmed with the virus, that now it's been stated that three people within the Sixers organization tested positive for the virus that doesn't necessarily mean that any of them are players but steve you had mentioned yeah i'm pretty sure i've been reading that two players are so so it's literally like a 1000 percent chance that at least one of Embiid or horford got it probably from christian wood yeah it has to be it has to be i i hate to say it but i i kind of called it two episodes ago i mean i'm pretty sure everybody called yeah yeah you definitely did as well so so do credit to you it would it would be too off brand for this team to be one of the only ones to not get it. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that the number within the organization is so low, though I'm sure that could change to this point, but definitely one of them beater Horford, hopefully Josh Harris. Oh god. And then I don't know. So the other one's probably gonna be like that that equipment manager that was friends with Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Because just like karma's a bitch. I don't is know. it is it messed up to say that it's a shame that Josh Harris isn't quite old enough to be in that age group where if you get the virus that like your chances of getting, you know, really, really sick or perhaps dying are high? Like, Well, the problem is, is that the age doesn't matter if you have that much money. 
That's true. So Shit. if we're really getting honest about it, yeah. it's not so much about your age as much as your income, as we're saying about who can actually get tested and who cannot. So That's true. But Unfortunately, all... even if he fell within that range, his money would buy him out of it. Yeah, and all jokes aside, I guess the good thing is... No, not all jokes aside. It's I'm, a... not, I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, he sells one second-round pick. He can test his whole family. That's true. That's all it takes. One other good thing is, from everything I've read, if you're, you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and you're in good shape, like, you know, your average NBA player is going to be a phenomenal athlete compared to especially people like us. You know, they may have the virus, but they're not going to have any symptoms or really be sick. Unless so. they're a sixer. Yeah, that's true. What about true. Zaire, Shit. dude? There's no fucking way Zaire could live through it. Zaire, yeah. I mean, unless you argue that he, his body is now invincible from going through what he went through. I don't know. That's true, maybe. What makes more sense? I don't know, man. I just, I couldn't imagine having a peanut allergy. Like, he can't eat, eat Reese Cups and... Oh, I don't want to live in a world where I can't eat Reese yeah. Cups. So, Steve, you also just received the Yaron Weitzman book about the process and everything. I know you haven't read it yet, but... We're both going to try and give that a read, hopefully pretty soon, and maybe be able to talk about that on a future episode. So looking forward to that. Yeah, it sucks. I planned on buying it in the summer when basketball was over, but it looks like uh, basketball's over for now. And if it does come back, it'll be back in the summer. So probably read the next uh, one or two weeks. Yeah, we, we don't know much else to do. Fortunately, like we said at the beginning, NFL free agency has, has been interesting. is giving us something to talk about, kind of sports-related. Big news for the Eagles, one – is the trade and then uh, new contract for cornerback Darius Slay, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, his wife is also super mega babe, like unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so if you're not, if you don't know Jennifer Slay, you might want to look into that too. But Darius Slay, the corner acquired from the Eagles, an All Pro, a Pro Bowler, uh, a, a guy that shadows number ones, an elite man-to-man corner, somebody that has familiarity with Jim Schwartz, being that he was drafted by him. When Jim Schwartz was still the head coach of the Lions, so there's a relationship there. I love the deal. They gave him a third and a fifth, I believe, to get him. Yeah, that's and all. And then signed him like a three-year, $50 million contract that makes him the highest-paid corner. Yeah, and I think $30 million guaranteed. Yeah. One thing we've needed for years is a solid corner. So exactly. So very, yep. very okay with that. So good move by them. I think I'm absolutely fine with it. He's like 29. The contract has him leaving here at 32, so you're not paying him so far that you expect like dramatic regression you know corners tend to age kind of okay like it's kind of hit and miss some of them fall off really bad but we've seen the anomalies of guys that play into their very late 30s so i think 32 is a very safe age to get out of that contract and figure out what you want to do from there jalen mills resign i think one year five million gonna make the move to safety which many people have said for years that would be a better fit for him I'm a big Jalen Mills fan, but I definitely agree that he could probably be a better safety than a cornerback. Definitely, yeah. So him and McLeod, it looks like they'll be the pairing back there along with Slay, and then probably going to be an open competition for that other cornerback slot. You've got potentially Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones, uh, Tra- uh, Trayvon LeBlanc, uh, Avante Maddox, amongst people in the mix for something like that between the opposite outside corner and a slot corner position. So we'll see what comes of that. The other kind of sad news, uh, you know, a lot of positives to take away, but unfortunate that he's not no longer here. For the most part, is Malcolm Jenkins signed with the Saints. The Eagles advised that they weren't going to do anything about his deal, and he goes on to New Orleans. He wrote a piece in the Players' Tribune today 
I believe it was titled Philly, Can We Still Be Friends? It was a beautifully written piece, which is no surprise because Malcolm Jenkins not only an elite football player, but like a very smart, very smart guy. intellectual yep. kind of guy, a tremendous leader both on and off the field, tremendous player on the field, huge part of us winning our only Super Bowl. I have nothing but love for Malcolm Jenkins. When the rumors were going around about the kind of money that he allegedly wanted, I understood if they didn't want to do that, uh, a lot of people were pointing to him wanting something equal to more that I think it was Devin McCourty got for the Patriots, which was something around like 12 mil a year. And I don't believe he got anything remotely close to that signing with New Orleans. The money thing doesn't really line up to what we had heard versus what he ended up doing. And he made it very, very clear in that piece for the Players' Tribune that money is not a huge motivating factor for him. He talks heavily about his legacy. He wanted to make sure that he would be able to basically, I guess, finish his legacy in Philadelphia. It sounds like he was looking for a contract that would get him through what he believes to probably be the rest of his playing career. And so I don't know if the Eagles just weren't in a position they wanted to give him X amount of years being that I believe he's 32. Yeah. Or if it really came down to money, but it, you know, the money New Orleans paid him, I think I would have been okay with, but I I think he got 3 or 4 years. That does take you in like the 35-36 range, so I get it. They talk about getting younger, they talk about not handing out these contracts for past performance and stuff, but you know, if there's one guy that you really kind of have a hard time swallowing that pill with on this team at all, I I think it really would have been Malcolm Jenkins, so Steve, I mean, what do, what do you think about the fact that Malcolm Jenkins gets goes back to New Orleans, especially at the price point that, that it appears he did? Dude, it sucks because if, if I read it correctly, I, he only wanted like one or two million more than what he has already been making, but I can kind of see why they didn't, you know, wanting to get younger and not wanting to give all that money to a guy that late in his career. And I know it's very easy. People bring up, oh, this is going to be Brian Dawkins all over again. And yes, Brian Dawkins had like one good season when he went to Denver. But I'm pretty sure after that one season, he pretty much kind of flamed out. And the thing with Malcolm, man, like, is it the past two years he's played every single snap on defense, including special teams? So here's what I'll tell you. This is from Field Yates on Twitter. Malcolm Jenkins in the six seasons with the Eagles. 96 games played, 96 games started, zero games missed. 6,404 of 6,500 snaps played. He missed 96 snaps in six seasons. 58 pass breakups, 11 interceptions, four pick sixes, 515 tackles, 32 tackles for loss, and 12 forced fumbles. Yeah. Like, arguably one of the greatest free agent pickups of any team in a very long time. Absolutely. Yeah, and I just worry about, can you keep up that kind of production playing every snap after you're 32? Which was one of my thoughts in, in them not bringing him back was, yes, like, I appreciate his availability and never missing any time. But time comes for everybody. Wear and tear happens to everybody. Like, I know that it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Like, oh, like he's always available. That's not going to change. But at the same time, like you got, got kind of got to look at it as, boy, you sure got your damn money's worth, and maybe you get out while you can. So you know, yeah, because maybe they should have done that with Jason Peters the past one or two years. Like, I have a feeling they look at that like, all right, I don't know how many guys we can keep in their mid to late thirties. Exactly. So I kind of get it. So. They end up declining the option for him. You know, Malcolm brings us our Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about all of that. 
I will forever love him. There is no ill will toward him not coming back. If I blame anybody, I blame the Eagles, obviously, not Malcolm Jenkins by any means, especially, again, looking at the circumstances of what he actually ended up getting. But, you know, how uh, Howie Roseman kind of came out and, and basically said, you know, a few weeks ago that, like, I, they're not necessarily looking at this as a rebuilding year, but they're not looking at it as a chips all in win a title year. So you do have to try and draft some young talent, re- rebuild this defense, figure out the offensive line, figure out what's going on with uh, Andre Dillard, figure out what's going on with the receiving core, see if you can get Alshon Jeffrey out of town, things yeah. like that. Get Deshaun Jackson healthy. Jordan Howard also left. He went to to Miami. To Miami. Uh, I don't really have any issue with that. I'm actually fairly comfortable with a Miles Sanders and Boston Scott backfield. I think that you can get by with that. Is it the best thing in the world? No. You would definitely like to have a, a power back in some way, shape, or form. And a lot of guys that I thought maybe you could get cheap or off the table, but also like you know, no one got them that cheap. Yeah, if there's one position in the NFL you're not overpaying for, it's for a running back. Right, and Miles Sanders. A la LA Rams. I think Miles Sanders earned, earned the right to get a shot to be the lead guy. We'll see if he can do it. A lot of people are high on him. I have faith in him. I don't know that he's like a a pure solo number one back, but you know the combination of him and Scott can can definitely be productive. If nothing else, you're definitely gonna need to see a lot from Carson Wentz based on the weapons it looks like he has right now. Uh, maybe this is finally the season they figure out how to use Ertz and Goddard super effectively. We saw more of it last season than before, but I think a lot of people still expect more out of Dallas Goddard. And there are some rumors about Zach Ertz being in trade talks, but yeah. I don't know how many of them I believe, whether that be for a Julio Jones type, an Odell Beckham type. Or that Defensive end from Jacksonville, Jacksonville. whose name I can't pronounce to save my life. Yeah, not going to try. We'll just Um, call him that guy. That guy. So all those things with the Eagles. I mean, at this point, I think my biggest question is, what is the receiving core? Who's at left tackle? And do we have a linebacker at all? Yeah. I'm not sure. So we'll see. But when you have Carson Wentz, the secondary sounds like it's going to be pretty okay. And the defensive line... Uh, you bring Ridgeway in. Hopefully Malik Jackson is healthy. You still have Fletcher. You still have Brandon Graham. You still have Derek Barnett. And congrats to Avitai for stealing all that money from Detroit. <laughs> yeah. And I sure. won't have to pronounce his name anymore. True. Halapuli Vatibaitai. Yep, that guy. Something like that. The so. other guy. So, yeah. So, again, you know, I, I think the Eagles can very – Easily win the division. I mean, like I can see them being at the top of the division. I think it's obviously them in Dallas. I don't really have any any faith in the Giants or the Redskins. The Cowboys franchise tag Dak Prescott, which is just too sweet. Oh, I love it. And actually, going back to Darius Slay, like at first when they said, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I, I don't really know too much about him, but all I kept seeing on Twitter were those highlight packages. Um, of him covering Cooper, I'm like, okay, that's that's. I mean, what we they got had the for. list of like pretty much everybody he shadowed last year, and he locked pretty much everybody down. Like, yep. Even the elite receivers that got some numbers, like nobody torched. And him. like he, he never like he doesn't rely on help like a lot of exactly. our quarterbacks do. And the, the times that he did have help, he got an interception. 
I like, think because we talked about Jalen Mills a little bit. Like the thing I love about Jalen Mills is his attitude. Like even like he gets torched all the time, but anytime he doesn't get torched, he's like talking shit. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I did that." Like even if he actually was out of out of coverage or out of position or whatever, like he believes that he made the play all the time. Like Darius Slay is just Jalen Mills with real talent. He yeah. has that same exact mentality of like no one's ever beating me and I'm the greatest, but he actually is that good. Yeah, and on his way over here, he's uh, talking shit on their coach. Um, I forget his name, but uh, De- Detroit's coach. He's like, yeah, I never liked him from the get-go. Oh, and, oh yeah. Patricia. Yeah, Patricia, yeah. <laughs> Man, the shit-eating the shit-eating look on his face when we hit him with the Philly special is ingrained in my memory Oh, forever. God, yeah. So good, that dumbass fucking pencil behind his ear. <laughs> but who's the next person you know who will be buying or selling a home? Have them contact the Andrew Boss team at Berkshire Hathaway for the most trusted process when it comes to real estate in New Jersey. Call today, 856-904-5636. That's 856-904-5636. And mention Process Potables for exclusive savings. All right, so we're hanging out here at Bout the Hops Brewing. We've got Brett from the brewery. Brett, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate you having us. Uh, you can find Bout the Hops Brewing on Instagram and Twitter at BTH Brewing. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was we've been doing this for a little bit over a year now. I don't think we've ever been to a brewery that's been open in such a short amount of time. You guys have only been open for about three months. Correct. December 7th. Uh, so like, what are some of like the challenges or advantages or, or just any you know circumstances or situations you've gone through in the opening of a brewery and the first couple weeks, months uh, of being open? Sure. Uh, well, most of your challenges is getting open. Uh, after that, it's a lot of stuff. Especially in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. So you know the old saying, you know, uh, if you thought it cost you X, double it. But that's pretty much holds true with the brewery, if not maybe triple it. Okay. A lot of people, you know, going in, uh, you know, there's state regulations, there's federal regulations you have to deal with, obviously, a big brewery. Uh, that wasn't actually too challenging. That was fairly simple. Um, for us, the local municipality actually took longer. Uh, Mount Laurel didn't have a brewery, so there was nothing on the books, so we kind of had to pave the way and go through, and uh, everyone had to learn together at the same time. So, you know, a lot of unforeseen things we never would have known until we sure. jumped into it. Now, now, do you think uh, location has played a big part at, at it at all? Because being right off of, uh, you know, 73, there's a lot of industrial places, you know, commercial places, places to eat around here. This is a, a really good uh, spot for you guys. Yeah, that, that is why we picked it, nail on the head. Uh, we actually did a traffic study. Uh, we paid to have that done as part of our business plan. And oh, wow. we made a little, you know, triangle where we wanted to be. Uh, we know we wanted to be somewhere in this area. And... Easy access off that turnpike and 73 and all those highways, 295, the parkway, you name it, uh, puts us you know right here. We were less worried about having a commercial storefront because uh, our idea is really to, to grow and expand, can distribute, stuff like that. So we're, we're poised with this 3,000 plus or minus square foot facility to really kind of, you know, push some product out. That's awesome. Because of the fact that you are like kind of like off the road, though, like people don't see it just by driving by and whatnot. Have you guys seen a lot of incoming traffic because of like word of mouth or referrals or whatever? Because like we were put on to you from somebody at another brewery when we were doing an episode who was just like, "Hey, like, you got to go check this place out," and that's how we came. And obviously, we were very, very impressed. Yeah, definitely. Um, starting off, you know, we haven't really advertised our location that much because, as you know, we're only a one-barrel brewery. 
we can only make so much beer. Uh, we're going through about four barrels, uh, or about two to four barrels a week, and that's about all we can make physically. I don't, you know, we're double batching a one barrel system to make two. We're mm-hmm. doing that twice a week, so we're putting out and selling four barrels a week. Um, so we can't really afford to tell too many people we're open. So, yeah, every, all our business has been, uh, you know, word of mouth and just people finding us that are into craft beer. And as we upgrade our system and put out more beer, we're gonna broadcast that more and more. Uh, and I was gonna ask you about that too because that's another thing I noticed from coming here the first time was. You guys just opened your new brewery. You have so many beers on tap and, like, so many varieties, and they're all so good. Usually when we go to a brewery, it, like, in their first year, it's got six to eight beers, and, you know, like, three or four of them are, are, like, ones they plan on brewing a lot of, and then they've got, you know, maybe some small batches they're trying. But you guys seem like you're, like, way ahead of most breweries that we see open up like that while also not being, like, you know, like a commercial or, or like, like, you know, your independence still and everything. So was that the plan the whole time was like to come out of the gates with all these different styles and whatnot not not right out of the gate our initial plan was just to have like six or eight beers on tap and we initially planned to only have the eight taps on that left side of the bank uh there and you know as we looked at and we saw the empty space we thought to ourselves let's just buy the equipment get the extra tray get the tap handles it's not that much more money compared to sure stuff we're already buying yeah. anyway let's just put it in and it's there and we don't have to plumb it around and then uh we kept looking at it and we're like you know what let's just let's just go for it and see if we can get you know 18 beers on tap and i think we got 15 or 16 right now that are actually tapped uh one regulator's broken so i mean like if that wasn't broken we have a couple new beers actually coming out next week so we're gonna have a full 18 Wow! In another couple of days, and, and that's a big, big drinking time with St. Patrick's Day coming up. So, yeah, absolutely, that's a good thing to do. As far as like the the types of beers that you have and whatnot, I know when we came for the first time, we were very impressed with the Jalapeno Hefeweizen. Uh, like, how do you come up with the idea to do a beer like that? Because it's not something I've I've really seen much of. We've seen a few, very select few beers that have any kind of real heat to them. It seems like a very niche style. Yeah. And I know, like, me and Steve both, as far as, like, food and stuff, we love very spicy food. But I've never really enjoyed a beer with any kind of heat to it until that one. And I know, I think there's, like, lactose in it, too, which I think balanced it out, which I love. But, like, how do you, like decide to want to do one like that and then did you have any ideas in mind to like keep keep it consciously to kind of balance out that heat a little bit yeah well um, there's there's vanilla in it to balance out the heat uh no lactose in that specific okay it might have been the vanilla then i'm not a huge lactose guy myself you know in beers it's kind of a newer trendy thing but uh, uh it's more of you know we brew beers that we want to drink and that we like and they're all really just personal favorites okay um you know we, we are going and venturing more as customers tell us they want certain things we're making it for them um, you know i'm not a big fan of saisons and the cranberries and the gingers but we have that on the menu because people are asking for it right uh, so we make it especially with like spring and stuff coming up people tend to go to the lighter fruitier yeah. kind of stuff yeah you know i've only been brewing beer for a couple of years but i've been drinking it since i was you know 15 <laughs> so um i've been to a lot of breweries and had a lot of good beer and you know some of my favorites are the you know beers based on that you know good german beers your Hefeweizens, your Dunkels, yeah, your you're, you're talking Steve. Yeah, you're talking yeah. Steve's neck of the woods yeah. here. Kolsch is coming out next week. We, oh, uh, okay, nice. Yeah, that's our 
Yeah, it's an easy one to make, but you know, we haven't brought one out in the, in the tap room yet. Um, you know, your Irish beers, you know, we got the stouts, you know, chocolate and peanut butter are two of my favorite things. I'm like, let's put in a stout. That's, that's what I'm drinking right now. I yeah. wanted to ask you about that one too, because I feel like a lot of, um, you know, heavy chocolate flavor stouts or chocolate peanut butter stouts or even any kind of like those like pastry style stouts and porters, like a lot of times the, whatever the flavor profile of it is, whether they're adding in peanut butter, they brand it as like a, a donut or something. Like I feel like that flavor is always very upfront and very strong. And the thing that I'm loving about this chocolate peanut butter one that you guys have is like the peanut butter is very like smooth, but it doesn't hit you up front. Like it comes through as you're drinking it. Yeah, I'd say yeah, the peanut butter comes out more as it warms up. Um, the chalk comes out a little bit more upfront. Um, yeah, I don't like the the. the flavors be too overpowering on a stout i'm a very more of just like you know guinness is my favorite stout i like it's very dry very traditional um you know i don't like a lot of coffee notes in my stout although that's very popular we'll probably do one down the road but uh we'll be here for that stout, then yeah, it's, a, <laughs> it's a it's a pain in the neck to make there's on a one barrel batch we're putting in like you know eight or 12 pounds of actual real chocolate oh um and another eight or 12 pounds of real peanut butter um, and even with all that, it's still not over. Like it's, it's kind of hard to get that flavor. Right. It's a lot of stuff you got you to dump in there. The, like I guess using the actual real, like natural stuff and putting in there probably makes it more yeah. balanced than if you were using yeah, some I don't kind like of processed using additives stuff. or chemicals yeah. myself. Um, that's uh, you know off the shelf grocery store. You know cocoa nibs, uh, dark chocolate. Um, it's actually a little. The dark chocolate's a little bit more bitter for my taste we actually may do a new version with milk chocolate and maybe make it like a milk chocolate milk stout okay to see how it kind of goes because we're trying to get the right perfect blend maybe a little more peanut butter maybe use some uh some almond butter as well in there to kind of enhance the peanut butter flavor so that's what i like to play with each recipe and just keep perfecting it you mentioned you're not a fan of the lactose style which is becoming a big trend i'm like a big fan of that is it something that you don't like flavor profile wise or is it something you don't like as somebody who actually has to brew the stuff like it's not you don't like working with it it's uh it's one of those things it's like if you were to take just lactose powdered lactose put it in a cup of water mix it up and drink it you can't taste it there's there's actually no taste to lactose mm -hmm. um a lot of people think it just adds pure sweetness to it it really doesn't from a pure added perspective um it does change the body and, and mouthfeel of the beer because it thickens it up and right. it gives more of that hazy appearance which kind of can make your mouth perceive something to be a little sweeter because it is unfermentable sugar the yeast can't eat it so it can't turn into alcohol sure um, again it has no real taste so it's more of that just like a tr I don't even want to say tricky but just kind of like a, a trendy trickery it's, it's a gimmick get, yeah. yeah per se it's a gimmick a, a gimmick yeah but people love it um, but you know you're adding something to that a lot of people just can't process like sure you know if you're lactose intolerant you know you're adding all this stuff yeah yeah it. my wife's lactose intolerant yeah. but she drinks them anyways yeah <laughs> um so yeah i'm not a huge like new england ipa lactose guy yeah, just, I love yeah. New England IPAs. Yeah. Yeah. um you but, guys yeah, do a do ton of ipas and a ton of different hop combinations you mentioned you've only been brewing for a couple years so my first question to that is I mean, most breweries we see are either people that home brewed and or people that worked at a brewery and then opened their own. So were you just a home brewer? Or do you just a home brewer, just yeah. Just a home brewer? Yeah. And you've only been doing it for, you said, like three I years? I started home brewing, like, uh, right, off the, right off the gate into all grain and, you know, using, um, you know, higher-end equipment. 
Uh, so I didn't start letting the extract kits, stuff like that. I had friends who homebrew, so I okay. uh, spin around it for years and just never really had the time to get into the hobby. So I was familiar with the extract and all grain and that kind of stuff, the basic principles. And then I finally was like, you know, a couple years back, I bought, you know, kettles and equipment, you know, to do all grain brewing. And uh, it was more around just to, you know, make the, the IPAs I like taste the way I wanted to because I wasn't finding any of the beers that I really like, you know, the styles uh, in my local area. So a lot of these IPAs you have with all these different hop combinations, are these things that you've already experimented with? Do you, I guess, do you learn more about those by experimenting with it or do you learn more about those by drinking beers and realizing like the hops, these kind of hops are in the ones I like, I'm gonna work with them to get this, so on yeah. and so forth. Um, I'd say a little bit of both. Uh, I definitely, when I drink a beer, if they, if they publish it and they say, oh, this beer has Galaxy, Mosaic, and Citra, I'll, I'll take note, but uh, the ratios and the type and the water profiles and the grain make such a big difference that, you know, if I tell you what's in the beer, you're not going to be able to reproduce it. Right. Um, and just over the, the course of the last couple of years brewing, you know, I tend to find my favorites where I know, you know, I love Galaxy. It's a hard hop to get. It's very expensive, but that makes some of my favorite beers. Yeah, for um, sure. Vic Secret, close. Don't like it as much. I find it harsher. Um, find it, you know, if you don't if you're not careful with it, you can get some of that hot burn that some people actually like that sensation. I find that more of a defect, so I use it sparingly because it's just such a high alpha acid hop. Um, and then, you know, all your other really piney hops love too, like your uh, Columbuses and Centennials and Simcoe's and whatnot. I use that a lot in Chinook and my West Coast IPAs. And, you know, I just, I love all styles. I like my West Coast to be very piney and resiny. I love my New England's just to be very fruit bomb and juicy hazy you know love my stouts to be super dry and you know straight to the point without any extra nonsense in it no lactose no lactose no. <laughs> i mean i'm gonna do it just for uh you know the people want it i will make it you know so what about sours how do you feel about sours uh i've had a lot of sours i like i was never into it uh my buddy's uh, wife is a huge sour fan so she's always giving me new ones to try the only problem as a brewer with that is, you know, to truly make a real to the style sour, if it even has a definition, I'd never bothered to look it up, but um, you're using a lot of different wild yeasts and things like that that get a little tricky, that have a tendency to spread and whatnot, and also uh, uh, leaves behind a lot of taste and you know, almost residue, per se, in the fermenter. So you got to really it's super sterile kind of keep it separate you don't want any cross contamination mm. so we're gonna we're gonna start doing them but we gotta ease into it and make sure we dedicate a fermenter to the sours um so is that an easier thing to do if you like just expand your overall yeah. thing to like a, a more a bigger barrel yeah, like system and whatnot? Now, we're, we're using some some plastic fermenters so that it's definitely going to retain some of that sour right taste. so we're actually just going to kill or not kill just dead that uh three barrel fermenter there Turn that into our sour fermenter. Mm, Put okay. the sours in that. You know, uh, barrel aging is sour is very popular. You know, um, it takes a long time to make, but so we're gonna we're gonna see how fast we can safely turn around and produce some good sours that are, you know, popular, repeatable, stuff like that. Sure. So I imagine with uh, you starting out with, with a home brewer, I'm sure you're not only learning how to make beer, obviously, but I'm sure that's where a lot of experimentation takes place. Uh, have you worked on anything recently, or is there something you you know maybe long term you think you would uh, you know would like to release at some point, like something that might be different, or um, I'm just always you know trying to make everything better. But like 
all the beers here, just at home, I probably brewed some of them like 25, 26 times last year alone. The Sparge Night, I think I made that like maybe 25 times before I was happy with it. Just small micro adjustments here and there, going up and down the IBUs, changing the hop chemistry because, you know, you know, Galaxy plus Citra is going to be totally different than Galaxy plus, you know, Simcoe and even different when you start adding them in different ratios. So it's just a constant blend. You know, I'm still trying to get it even pinier West Coast out there because um, I just like, I like that flavor profile. Um, you know, we got a long ways to go and some other German styles, some Belgian styles, Belgian triples, things like that. So. What about an Oktoberfest? Uh, Thinking maybe, about that? Uh, not right this minute because we're coming in to the summer, but... Sure, yeah, come uh, fall time. Yeah, we'll see. I'm a big triple guy too, so I'll be excited for that. When we were talking about, you know, starting up and we already talked about, you know, you guys having so many beers available already, which is uh, very contrary to what we usually see, but is obviously awesome. Um, a lot of places we go kind of just hammer home the beer, like especially the home brewers. They find the one they did really well. All their friends tell them it's good, and then they decide to do a brewery. You guys having so many, is there one you guys have so far that you would consider like a flagship beer, or so far is it more of like, hey, we have a lot of good beers. Yeah. Like it's not there isn't this one that we kind of hammer yeah. home. I'd say the uh, the Hoptimus Prime is probably our flagship beer. Okay. You know, if we're going to a competition where the beer is going to be judged. That's probably the one that we would bring first is the Hopkins Prime. It's just a very good all-around New England IPA. Uh, very juicy, you know, very good profile. Um, and some of the West Coast, the Sparge Knights were my favorites. We'd probably bring that in terms of West Coast IPA to a, a competition. Have you guys um, done any competitions yet? No, not yet. Uh, we've been too new. Uh, there was one that was slated, but it got canceled. They were having a competition at the uh, Devil Stadium for the hockey team. But they couldn't get the permits in time, so it's been delayed until the summer or next fall. So, okay, um, we'll see. It was too early, or it was too soon for us to get into uh, AC Beer Fest. So we'll be there next year. Good. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll be there again next year. Yeah. This is our first year, us going there. Uh, so we're really excited about yeah, it's that. Good time. So, so hopefully, we'll link up. Um, as far as what's coming up for you guys, is, are there any uh, like events you guys have going on or anything? Are there any uh, like beers that are about to be released you guys want to promote or talk about or anything? No, no big events planned for right this moment. Um, although we, you know, we're starting to look forward and see what stuff we want to go to. You know, we just built our mobile jockey box setup. We got our tents now, so nice. We are poised to uh, do a bunch of events this summer, which you know we're going to definitely get into. Uh, and beers, we're going to have new beers almost every other week. Um, you know, the Kolsch is the newest beer coming out. Uh, we may do variations of that. I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe some black IPAs. Again, the Belgian triple. Um, those are probably like the, the next three kind of radically different beers that'll, that'll hit the menu. Yeah, maybe you have no events coming up, but I do like how you guys are open up to uh, midnight on Friday and Saturday nights. That's uh, I, that's pretty unheard of for uh, brewery, yeah, that, around yeah. here at least. Being, being open on a Monday and a Tuesday, especially too, a lot of breweries are like Thursday to Sunday. The hours are much more limited. The availability you have has to be like a big plus. It, it, is that like something you guys out the gate were like, you know, that's going to help us get our foot in the door is just being open on days where a lot of others aren't? Kind of, yeah. We kind of want to, you know, not so much change the culture on that, but that's something that... Uh, me and my partner noticed as you know, as avid brewery goers and drinkers, uh, we just got annoyed and aggravated by the amount of breweries we would go to, and uh, it could be just jamming and slammed at like ten o'clock at night, and they would just boop, 
hit the yeah. light switch and say, get out. Like, we said to ourselves, you know, if we actually pull this off and open up, we're, we're never going to kick someone out until, like, the law tells us that you have to leave, you know? Because we were coming here from another brewery. I'm like, are, I'm like, dude, are you sure they're open? Like, uh... And it's funny because when we came, I don't know, what did we get here? Maybe, like, 8 or 9 o'clock? Yeah. Like, it wasn't that busy. Like, it was crowded. And then all of a sudden, like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, like, like yeah, a, a truckload of people yeah. rolled in. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, this place is about to start going off. And, like, you said, it, uh, a regular brewery. Well, if you would have came in, they maybe get one band, and you got, they shut it down. And you guys are able to, to take advantage of that, which is awesome. It helps that steady business. And, you know, it winds up, you know, these brew tours and, you know, people who are brew hopping that day. They'll hit us first because of our location. They'll do the, all the rounds. And they'll, and they'll remember that up, you're open later. Back to us back. at the end of the night because nice. we're open for the rest of the stretch. So it makes a lot twice. of sense. Smart, yeah. 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 Um, the other thing that, that kind of makes sense that to me, I don't know if you've experienced much of this yet, because I know with, like, bars and stuff in general, um, a lot of them also do, like, like industry nights, and they're usually the beginning of the week because people work all weekend. So I would think that, like, people from other breweries, since these are probably days they don't have to work, mm-hmm. if they're like, oh, it's my off day and I want to go drink, like, they can't even go to theirs because they're closer. So, yeah. Do you get a lot of people from other breweries that we come do, in? Yeah. We get, We get quite a lot of uh, brewers themselves, uh, beer tenders, the whole gamut. Right. Uh, you know, ball stopped in. They're all great, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, they all have a favorite beer that they come here, they drink and enjoy and um, you know, we do the same because we get tired of drinking our own beer. For sure. Uh, we go out and, you know. Well, yeah, that's, that's like our favorite part is like we were always worried at first when we did something like this. Like, oh, like our, our breweries going to be weird. Like we go to this one, we go to this one, like whatever. But we found out very early, which was kind of our, our hope and understanding was that like it was going to be a community. Everybody was going so far. Like everyone's just like, yeah, like this is cool. What you guys are doing go here, go here, go here. And then. Um, you know, they'll be like, yeah, this is the person to talk to, whatever. Like, like I came in and already knew to, to find you because somebody told us you were going to know your stuff, and, and you absolutely do. This has been an awesome interview. Uh, you said that you guys are, are, are planning or have in the works already to can and distribute and stuff as well? Yeah, we're, we're going to start small first with a, just a little tiny, you know, crowler machine, you know, to do different size cans and whatnot, um, just to get some products in the door, uh, fill a little, you know, Refrigerator, you can you know grab a, a four pack or six pack you know to go, um, and as we upgrade our system, have more capacity, we'll probably start off with you know renting a mobile canning distributor to come out and do it for us uh, until we can afford to you know bring it in house and have our own machinery. Awesome, I'm excited for that. Uh, Brett, thank you very much. Appreciate you coming on and talking. I thought this was awesome. Uh, again, if you want to find all the information for About the Hops, you can find them on Instagram and Twitter at BTH Brewing. Brett, thanks again. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Take care, guys. Anyway, so Corey looks bored. Why don't we talk about WrestleMania a little bit? Fill us in, Corey. While you guys are doing that, I was making sure I had some stuff ready for it. That's really what I was doing. Smart. Focusing on that. So. All right, well, t- take the wheel, buddy, and we'll chime in. All right. So uh, it came out earlier this week that uh, WWE announced not only is Rob Gronkowski going to be the the host of WrestleMania 36, which is going to be emanating live, maybe, from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando with no audience, which has been just god-fucking-awful to watch recently. Uh, But they're going to be splitting it up into two days. Uh, So basically what I was going to quick go over was the the, they've pretty much announced what matches are going on which day so far before the ones they uh, added last night. So for Saturday, April the 4th, uh, it's going to be, you're going to see Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Undertaker and AJ Styles, which they've done a, a good job kind of trying to pull Undertaker out of being Dead Man Undertaker and give him, you Wait, know. Wait, American Badass? 
I don't not think so much that right, but just, but they're they're pulling him from that. You're AJ's gonna, called him Mark. He's talking about Michelle McCool being his wife. Oh, so it's oh, not like, hey, shit. you're just this demon and right. whatever. It's like you're an actual dude who works. He here. called him Mark. He called yes. him Mark. Yes, he's not Ned. Call him not Mark. Not a Mark. Mark. Right, Mark right, right. Name. Of course. Uh, the the NXT Women's Title match was Charlotte and Rhea Ripley's that night, and then McIntyre and Lesnar for the WWE titles that night. That's on Saturday. All on Saturday. Oh, night. They, I didn't know they broke down what's on. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Sunday is going to be Cena Wyatt, Baszler and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Title, and Roman Reigns and Goldberg for the Universal Title. So, so I'm not going to watch Sunday. Right. Yeah. So out of the two nights, right away, you know which night is. The one that I'm going to watch is Saturday night. Um, You're going to watch them both. uh, Well, eventually. I'm fucking living in my house. Uh, (laughs) Weird. I mean, we all do. Last night, they announced that that Bailey's going to defend the SmackDown women's title in a six-pack challenge against uh, Sasha Banks, Naomi, Tamina, who somehow still works there, Dana Brooke, and Lacey Evans. It just... A bunch of women that live in Orlando so they can put a match together really quick. Whatever. They all get a payday. And then they announced Elias and King Corbin. I don't know which nights those oh, are going to be on. Cares about that? Um, I think probably... First thing, I guess we want to talk about the Rob Gronkowski portion of things. So he signed an official contract, right? <sighs> um, none of that description has actually come out yet. Oh. Um, as to what his role is per se... I mean, he's a young dude. He's what, 30, 31? Yeah, probably 31, yeah. 30, 31. And so when it comes to pro wrestling, if he wants to actually do this seriously, then he's before where his prime even is. Most wrestlers these days, their prime is like 38 to like 44. Right. Whereas in the 80s, it was like 40 to like 48. That was where they were making the most money. Uh, but, you know, Gronk, he's, he's, he's good on a mic. We'll see what happens when they give him some script. And, uh, you know, he's one hell of an athlete. Doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, him and his body is meant to take bumps in a wrestling ring. Obviously, we'll see if that's where he's going or if they're just using this as more of a of a partnership thing, using him and his likeness to try and just draw eyes in. Obviously, they have the deal with Fox. Uh, they're, they're kind of in bed with ESPN at this point. But, I mean, ESPN's going to... Several different people for content right now. Right now, uh, I believe oh, they're today, playing old WrestleManias. Well, today weekend, right? I know they're airing like big UFC fights all day. Everything's scheduled out, uh, and then yes, the next three Sundays in a row they're playing old WrestleManias wow. on ESPN because they just need content. You know, I, like I said, the, the Gronk deal just could merely be because they they want the attention, and this is a good time when nothing else is really getting attention. Uh, or it could be something that he's going to be getting into. Uh, we've yet to see that. Uh, I think that the, the fun thing that WWE did, they released a shirt last night um, for WrestleMania that says, I wasn't there. That <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, that, that, that's cool. Uh, and besides that, you know, obviously I want to start discussing more of these things uh, on the, the soon to be uh, new pro wrestling podcast on the podcast potables network, uh, power bombs and potables. Uh, but AEW this week knocked it out of the park with the live show. They they obviously are owned by Tony Khan and the Khan family who own the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, they have soccer team, right? Yes, yes, in Europe. But but uh, next to the the stadium, they have an amphitheater, uh, much like. Uh, Something that you know you'd see here. What we have in the Philly area, the, like the, the man, the, 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 
even yeah that or BB&T uh, where it's just a, a giant amphitheater for for concerts but they own it and they've been using it for wrestling and I thought it was cool Tony Khan said his original concept for that was uh, he saw the South Park episode where they do the, the wrestling <laughs> and then and it becomes an amphitheater yes and he's like that would be awesome to shoot wrestling like that oh so my ever God. since South Park's then always ahead of the curve baby right yep. so he he's done two shows but being that they own it that's what they're using to do their empty arena matches uh, for for the shows. But they what they did was, and it was a cool concept, they took some of the wrestlers, they put them around uh, in the, where the crowd would be. And just having people yelling and chanting made the live broadcast that much better. Also, WWE's done a thing where they've done the hard cam shot is to an empty crowd behind them. They just turned the camera and had it facing the screen, and you never knew. And then you still have the voices on the other side. It made for a way better production. If you're going to look for anything to watch wrestling-wise that's still live, is that. I know that they've postponed their War Games Blood and Guts match, uh, which was supposed to be the Inner Circle, uh, which is Chris Jericho, uh, Jake Hager, uh, Bellator star, former WWE wrestler, uh, Santana Ortiz, and Sammy Guevara, who's a young upstart, against the Elite, the Young Bucks, uh, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, and Hangman Page. Uh, Nick Jackson is currently out, so they made the debut of Broken Matt Hardy this week, who's going to be taking his place and coming oh, wow. in there. Imagine had all these things happened in front of a live crowd, how much cooler it would yeah, have been. Matt Hardy would have got a nice pop. Yeah. For sure. Um, but the cool thing was he talked about this week is that, because he's got Vanguard 1, the um, drone that he's always had with him, if the this week they would have been in Rochester when he made his debut, apparently there's a, a, an FCC ordinance that you cannot fly drones in arenas in New York or something like that. Really? So he wouldn't have been able to actually use it. So they were able to use it in Florida. No issues there. And uh, besides that, that's really all I have, unless you want to have any discussion <laughs> about things. I just wanted to get your take on WrestleMania being done in an empty arena because I think that a lot of people figured, okay, like this gets postponed, but they're having the show go on which to me is smart in a sense that even though the card you know leaves a lot to be desired you're taking advantage of a of a weekend where nothing else is on and now you're going to get ratings over two nights that should probably do pretty damn well yeah. even even with the lack of flair just because of the fact that what the hell else is there to watch so in that sense i think it's great the problem is do you really think like this would be a great time to do the things that would lock people in or get them to latch on the way and i don't think they have any of that ready to Which ready to is go what AEW's doing to a T they're doing believable storylines with with wrestlers that people actually get behind like i'll say myself like and you saw it for a first hand Orange Cassidy. Love him. A guy that a lot of people would look at uh, and be like, what is this guy? But the people love him, and he knows how to work the crowd, and he's a unique gimmick, and he got over. Uh, WWE doesn't have any of that in in place. Uh, my thing is, for it taking place two nights, not even that, for the empty performance centers, what we were talking about, the my thought is, is if you're an entity, publicly traded like WWE, and you take out and you rent a stadium. You rent out Raymond James Stadium in Tampa to host your biggest show of the year. 70-plus thousand people is what they've been talking about. They bought all this money that they have to put into a stage set that you know they, they have to put the order in and figure all that design out and start building it months in advance. 
you'd think that they would have some form, they have to have some form of insurance. Or like a contingency plan. Right, exactly. To In case of a, a natural not disasters and other things like this that are unexpected, that are out of their control, to be able to just re- you know move the date somewhere else. Well, now, earlier in the uh, week, there were, there were rumors even, because WWE has had a kind of really rough relationship with Madison Square Garden over the last several years, that... They've been trying to get more live shows in there to patch that that up. They had a show this past week that got canceled, or maybe it's this upcoming. But either way, it got canceled. They were talking about maybe maybe they'll put WrestleMania in Madison Square Garden, but move it to June 7th was the date that they, they threw out there. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would have been more okay with them doing that. The biggest problem is, is when you're a company like WWE and you've backed yourself into a corner where you have 10-plus hours a week of new content out there that you pretty much – have maxed out where your storylines are going to a month and a half ago. If you move it from April 5th to June 7th, you have to drag it all out or you'd you have lose to, the momentum. Or, or, or both, both yeah, are bad. exactly. Or what you have to do is maybe say, fuck it, we had all these matches, let's just do them in the performance center, or whatever, and then do a two month build to WrestleMania that's going to actually be in an arena and just start over your, your work. And yeah, uh, th- I personally think that that seems tough. It it does seem tough, but you're in a state now where I think this week they're going to start actually taping shows in advance, which there's even talk of doing that for WrestleMania, which is smart because live taping costs so much more money. It doesn't matter if you were uh, basketball, tennis, anything. shooting live always costs more money than doing it on your own, editing it and sending it over to a company. If you're in the business of making money, then right now you should be trying to save as much money as you can and losing money on doing live TV every week. I mean, even USA Network, who's owned by NBC Universal, I'm sure that they would love it if the fact because they they're the ones who are paying in as well as Fox on these live TVs every week. I save the cost. Save the cost, yeah, and just put them in the can now, which I think that they're actually finally going to do because this looks like it's going to be this way for a while, at least a month. Right, and, and ultimately, they would actually end up making more money because, again, being that it's one of the only things that is actually going to continue happening, the ratings should conceivably go up, even if by a little bit. So if the ratings go right. up, you make more money that way, and then you cut costs on live filming. People just want content. Like right. we're in a, we're, We are in a content-driven age, yep. and the number one content is sports. There's no sports to be had except old sports, and eventually, people are going to start surfing if they see... Stone Cold Steve Austin on their TV, as shitty as it and questionable as it was Monday night, people are still going to watch it. And the ratings were up because it's new. It's things that people know. And and it's it's again, it's new. And that's what people want in a content-driven age. They want content, they want new content, they don't want old content. So they're yes, they're able to capitalize on that upon you know, unlike all the other sports that have had to have been canceled. Uh, but still there's there's only so much they can do before people are tar- – I saw people that I know don't watch wrestling that were commenting on Facebook last week. They're like, oh, like me. watching wrestling in an empty arena is just really awkward. And it's like, yeah, but you turn you turn around, you look at how uh, AEW produced their TV show on Wednesday night, and they're going to continue to do that every Wednesday night going forward. And it's it's so much more bearable. 
Not to mention it's not overproduced. And not overproduced, uh, oversaturated. Oversaturated is what I meant to say there in the situation where it's not 10 hours of program. It's two hours of program each week. You don't see the same people each week because they have a, a broad enough roster and they have young guys, new guys that people are intrigued about and they're excited to see uh, rather than people being uh, shoved down your throat, which has been you know the problem of why so many people have once again uh, bailed on pro wrestling and have gone more towards the mixed martial arts and things that are fresh, unscripted, and um, you know not predictable. I yeah. think the best case scenario, they push WrestleMania back two months, basketball comes back, and then having scheduled WrestleMania at Madison Square Garden, they're like, oh, well, we're going to walk back on that. And Vince McMahon's like, well, hell, you aren't. And then maybe we can have a match of Vince McMahon versus James Dolan. Because who in a sports world would love to see James Dolan getting you know his ass whooped? So. Well, yeah, but, I mean, why would they? I mean, they would make so, he would make so much more money having WrestleMania than a meaningless Knicks game and if they bring it back why are the Knicks even going to play they ain't making the playoffs right but it's the Knicks they, they don't do things according to logic That's, yeah they so, do it for money you know just uh, you know throwing it out there yeah, uh, can, can I say one is it me or has Gronk kind of become like Kevin Hart and that I'm just really tired of it and he's kind of been everywhere and I just I'm kind of over Gronk I don't know where else has he been he didn't play the entire just, year of football. Right. I didn't see him really do anything else while he was gone. I I like that he was like this, you know, you know, this fun guy, bit of a jackass, and funny seeing how he acts and then seeing Belichick's face, like, oh well, he's a great player, but he's you know a dumbass, like whatever. But I just I have a feeling we're going to get to that point where he's just you know I can see us getting to that point, but I definitely don't think we're there yet. I think he's stayed pretty relatively off the radar, right. which might have had a lot to do with the WWE signings that they didn't want that to happen. They wanted him to stay low, to not be anywhere else. So all of a sudden, it's like, because we know how Vince McMahon is in WWE, is like, wow, like, you know, everyone's been wondering what Rob Gronkowski was going to do. Like, right. he was sought after to be, you know, like a, a TV personality for the NFL. He could have gone and done, you know, like, Dumbass shit like Dancing with the Stars or America's Got Talent or something. So like, I know he did do anything. stuff for Fox during the football right, season. Right, he did like random little stuff here and there, but it's like he he didn't do that much. And now it's like, okay, this is the big get. We got Rob Gronkowski. Everybody thought that he might come here, but he obviously was probably had many suitors, and now we locked it down. So, again, I think— Like, I it's th- smart on their part. I think we'll, we'll get there, but that. I don't think we're there but yet. But like I said, he's young, too. That's the thing. He already had this great, stellar football career. He's won several Super Bowls. I believe and- he was on, like, the NFL All-100 team. Right. Yeah. The 100-year team as the tight end, which and is he- unbelievable. And he's retired at, like we said earlier, 30, 31. I don't actually know how old he is. He's got a whole nother career potential in front oh, of yeah, him absolutely. if he wants to. And he's the type of person, and you're in this age, if he's going to want to do wrestling, where they bring him in to only do WrestleMania, SummerSlam, stuff like that. You know, I feel like that was one of the, the big things that kind of killed the lore really quick of Ronda Rousey is they were trying to have her on TV every week. And for what it's worth, she picked up on everything right away pretty quickly. But it was just – it was too much too fast. Yeah. And it kind of really – like. Killed I think it, it burnt her was, out too. Right, it killed the the attraction that she was. That's the thing is she was an attraction, and Gronkowski in this point could also be an attraction if he's used and booked right. But the problem is, is when you back yourself into a corner like they always do, they're always like, "All right, well, we need something." Up, oh, well, we have Gronk under contract. Let's just bring him on with no notice to do something fucking stupid just to try and pop a rating. 
And they're going to kill that attraction probably very, very quickly. But right now, while it's hot, yeah. what a better way to start to get the, the the eyes on WrestleMania that's going to be, you know, people know the name WrestleMania. WrestleMania is an entity uh, like any other brand. That is one of the – that is the second biggest brand, I guess, when you look at wrestling. If people say wrestling, you think WWE, and you probably think WrestleMania, two terms. Sure. Uh, so – when you're in a spot where you're not getting new original sports related content and you can still have WrestleMania and you can throw out a young name like Rob Gronkowski, it might draw a couple more eyes. And right now when you're WWE and you're trying to maybe sell your pay-per-view rights back off of your network, which isn't going to happen right now, but you're also trying to maybe attract some new people to your network still, despite the fact that, you know, that's more direct money that they can get and they need all of it that they can right now. So if you're doing that, it, it is a great business decision for them. I don't think that you're right. I, I agree with Dan that they have not burned out Rob Gronkowski yet, or anybody really has. Uh, he pops up here and there, but uh, yeah, it can get there. It can get there, it can but, get there. but not if, if it's booked smartly, then if you're WWE, then it won't get there that quickly. If, you are WWE, history, they so you're going won't. to get yeah. there very quickly. Now, one other wrestling take I have is it'll be funny when we see like a picture going viral of like Zack Ryder or whoever wearing that shirt like WrestleMania. I was I wasn't there. Uh, well, I mean, apparently <laughs> the, the the Gronk graphic that they made looks just like the Broski graphic that they used to have years ago. That nice. was on like the headband, which makes sense because his friend is Mojo Rawley, and Mojo Rawley was a tag partner of Zack Ryder, so they're gonna ride that whole thing. And Gronk's a total literally frat last boy. night. And I, yeah. I, I, on, the, on like I said on the the clip that I saw of, of Gronk horribly break dancing down in the ring, uh, they flashed to the ring where Mojo Rawley was in the ring. Mojo Rawley only gets the spotlight when Gronk is around because they have the NFL pass together. Right. 